Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe related topics. I'm Frank. Hi, everybody. I'm Jeff. And with us is uh, Stephen Branch, um, who is well known in the company as Mr. Catalog. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you, Frank. And hello, Jeff. Glad, good to meet you. Nice to meet you. So let's start with uh, why do people call you Mr. Catalog? And have is you it- met Captain Cobol? <laughs> I have never met Captain Cobol. There used to be a Mr. V-Sam years ago. He retired a long time ago. Uh, they call me Mr. Catalog because I've been in and around the catalog department for some 37 plus years. Uh, in fact, I'm coming up on 38 early next year. Uh, I've held numerous positions and done a lot of code. I mean, a lot of code in catalog. So, therefore, my sobriquet is Mr. Catalog. Ooh. Wow, that's... That's a fancy that's, word right there. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, first of all, why don't we start there? What is the catalog? Well, you know, like in a PC, you have a directory, right? And, and one of my uh, colleague trainees years ago asked me, well, why do we need a catalog? And I told him, I said, we have thousands, literally thousands of disk volumes. He says, well, my PC directory has, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of data sets. I said, no, no, you, you aren't listening. We've got like tens of thousands of disks in some of our installation. So a simple directory is not going to work because you not only have to pick, uh, you know, go, when you go look for a data set, you just can't go through a directory. You have to first find which disk your data set is going to be on. So from the very beginning, catalog, uh, uh, ZOS has always had uh, a catalog. Now, there's been different versions over the years. At first, it started with a very simple, uh, sort of like a directory, and uh, that's kind of called OSC Vols. And we, uh, in the 70s, we invented vSAM, which is our strategic access method. It's very powerful, uh, especially the, the, the type that's known as a key sequence data set which has an index and a data. And, and, but there's all sorts of metadata that we must keep about these data sets, uh, things like record length and key position and key length, and, and, and there's, there's lots and lots more. And so they invented a catalog uh, for that, and it was good. I guess it lasted maybe 10 years or more. And finally, uh, it had some shortcomings. And we reinvented it. And we uh, invented something called the Integrated Catalog Facility, which was pretty much the same to an external user. But internally, it addressed all these shortcomings that the, the old catalog had had. So, just by supplying ZOS with your data set name, you don't have to worry about which disk it's on. We will figure that out. Um, I, I say this early, early on, 
in, in that we are not a directory as such. We are a catalog, but there is a one master catalog. And that master catalog is determined at IPL time. There's nothing special about the master catalog. It's, it's like any other uh, user catalog. Or they're all the same. They use the same define command. But the, um, the, the master catalog is identified in either Sys1 Nucleus or Sys1 Load XX. There, there's parameters for that, and it's in that pre- presentation that I have passed out. And that's what determines where the master catalog is. And in the master catalog, there, is, um, there are aliases. And your data set name, a standard ZOS MBS data set name, has levels. So what happens is within catalog management, that's the catalog that process, the catalog code that processes catalogs and catalog requests, we strip off that high-level qualifier, or in some cases qualifiers, if you so desire. We find an alias. We use that alias to figure out what which user catalog you have. Okay. And when we get to that user catalog, we search for your data set, and it's got all the volume information that you need and tells you which – I'm using volume and disk interchangeably, excuse me. Hmm. But it tells you which disk your data set's on, and then the system can then allocate it, and you can access your data. Yeah, I, I, I do want to point out, it's only those two levels, by the way. You've got the master catalog down to the user catalog. So it's not really a, a directory kind of a structure. It's this alias concept to get you to the proper catalog and then, um, like I said, get you to the proper catalog and then search for your data set. So cool. it's it's always, always uh, at the most just one hop off of the master catalog? That's correct. So why do I need more than one? Why couldn't everything just be in the master? What, what's the value of having a user catalog? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, what's, the, what's the good of having user catalogs? Well, first of all, somebody, you know, it, it's the thing of putting all your eggs in one basket because you, you have all that metadata, I told you, that's in the catalog. So if you lose a catalog, you lose access to all your data sets. And if you have, say, 10,000 volumes, which is not unreasonable, and you had one catalog, you've lost access to all 10,000 disks. Whereas if you have multiple catalogs, uh, then, you know, if you lose a catalog, then you've only lost a partial um, part of that. Sometimes the question comes up, or sometimes it comes up from time to time at share and other places, how big should a catalog be? And that question kind of shows you why you might have multiple catalogs, because the answer is it's on usage and recovery needs. Usage being uh, what applications are you running? So you might have um, a user catalog with only DB2 data sets in it, or you might have a catalog that has only your production work, or maybe uh, 
even finer, uh, finer granularity than that, maybe all just your accounting work for your organization. And then the recovery part of that is, is how long does it take me to ca- recover a catalog should I have a failure? And when you, uh, when you recover a catalog, there isn't an amount of time. And strictly speaking, the bigger it is, the lar- longer it's going to take to recover. So those are the two aspects is what is your usage and what is uh, the size? Um, and, and as I jokingly say, you know, programmers, your, your programming staff, uh, if the catalog goes down for a day, they all take a vacation day and have, <laughs> but, uh, is, uh, actually we did have a problem, um, uh, not long ago and it, it brought down, um, a major, uh, entity and, I mean, everybody's in, in, a, in a panic, right? I mean, this is something that's got to come back online immediately. So um, that, that's the kind of considerations you, you take in dividing up your catalogs and having multiple catalogs. Do, does a user catalog get hit every time, and I guess the master catalog as well, every time a data set gets accessed, or does it get cached somewhere? Because it seems like that could be like a performance uh, facet to that as well. You mean like I have the data set open and I'm reading it? So if, if I if I open up a data set, you know, it's it's uh, zos.frank.file and then I close it and then I open it again, then I close it, then I open it again. Are those, is each one of those trigger uh, a query through the catalog? No. Uh, well, yes. Yes, it does. Uh, I was going to say no. It really, it um, it's at allocation time where you you know you uh, are allocating your DD or mm. those people that use dynamic allocation. They've issued an SVC ninety nine for a dynamic allocation. We get hit there, but yes, you're right. Every time you do the open, okay, there's that metadata, and especially if it's a VSAM file, yeah. It's going to have to do. Uh, it's going to have to go locate that metadata to help build the structures that are necessary for a vSAM data set. And I just want to make sure it doesn't go un- unsaid that uh, we do appreciate a good facility. Uh, so ICF <laughs> is. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that that uh, that worked yep. out. Ha- has was catalog has catalog always been a thing, or were there was were there a couple years where it was just everything was on one volume and, you know, you, you kind of just had to, had to be in the know of where things were. No, there's always, as, as I pointed out, there's been sort of three iterations. There was a very simple catalog called an OSC vol up front. And it, it really, it was more of a directory structure, uh-huh. but, but we're going back to the very uh, beginning of, uh, you know, OS 360. Okay. And that, that was first. And then when we brought in vSAM, we had these vSAM, we call them vSAM catalogs. And um, they required, though, that you pre-allocate the space you were going to use for the vSAM data sets. And uh-huh. the catalog uh, owned that space. So if you, you you know, like you had five volumes in this catalog, own those five volumes, no other catalog could go in there. 
Mm-hmm. That was one of the, the deficits I said that we we corrected with ICF catalog. And that's part of the integration because any catalog can access any data set on any volume. Cool. Well, we just defined the I, the C, and the F. That's a, that's a, good, <laughs> that's a good acronym. That is a great acronym. <laughs> so, um, uh, Stephen, you, you, you've talked about this vSAM thing a couple of times. What is vSAM? Oh, I, I always like that to start this off with a story, uh, Frank. Um, we were back in the, uh, I guess, 70s. We were going to invent a full database kind of a, a scope, and it was going to be known as Access Method 1, kind of like PL1 and DB2. <laughs> and this was going to be replace all the, 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 the data sets then in existence. And as real life works, it got scaled back a little bit and it got scaled back some more and it got scaled back to what it is today. And just as we were about to announce, was at the very time that we came up with the term, uh, uh, the MVS guys, Uh, virtual storage. And so the marketing said, well, we want to have a tie-in with AM1 to this virtual storage. So we're going to call it virtual storage access method. So that's kind of my story, right? It's, um, it it, it really, there's nothing virtual storage about vSAM. So it's better just to think of it by calling it vSAM. And, and basically what it is, is it's a group of data set types and this vSAM ac- uh, code to access these types. Now, there are, there are five types. The simplest and the most unstructured is the linear data set. And this divides up the, the data set into things called control intervals. But they're not really control intervals because true control intervals, and I'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute, true control intervals have a control information definition. That's what a CI stands for, control information. But what a CI is, it's the amount of information that's transmitted from the disk or DASD or volume, your data set, to main memory and back, you know, when you do the write and back it goes back. So in its simplest form, the linear data set, that's all it does. It uh, transfers whatever the the CI amount is. There's no internal structure. There's no concept of records. And you might say, well, who would use such a thing? And and our two biggest users are one DB2. They they know enough to to do the gets uh, you know get the data and manipulates what's in inside and they've got their own proprietary uh, format and so forth and the other one big user that we now have is ZFS the the Z file wow. system so th- you you've got to be very very skilled to use this because like I say it's completely unstructured one step up from that are entry sequence data sets. And as the name applies, the records are written in time order sequence. There's no particular order to the records just as they're written. Like any other sequential file you might 
might have. Um, the, in this case, though, you, you do have CIDS, and you do have the notion of records within these CIs. So you can kind of think of CIs as blocks, like when you have block, uh, logical records and blocks of data with a sequential file. It's sort of analogous. CID, CIs usually do correspond to a block size, but they don't have to. Now, one, one up from that is what we call relative record data sets. And one of the, oh, let me, let me back up. With entry sequence data sets, the logical records within the CI can be either fixed or, or variable. That's really up to you. And the records can span the CI should your record length be bigger than whatever the CI, the information that's being transferred is. One up from that is the relative record data set. And what it is, is it has to have all fixed length records within the CIs, and the actual key of the record is its position in the data set. So if you said, my key is 100, it would be the 100th record in that data set. So at the very beginning, you kind of have to figure out how many records are you going to have in this data set so that you can allocate the, the DASD or disk space to put them all in and format it out so it has these uh, fixed record and they're, they're called slots. Mm-hmm. So you've got to go with fixed. And the reason you've got to go for fixed with relative record, they calculate, they actually calculate the position of the record based on the key. So that that's one up from that. So you have to have fixed uh, at that point. Now, the premier vSAM data set the is Cadillac. called the Cadillac. Yes. Well, the Mercedes Benz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is the key sequence data set. And the key sequence data set, as the name implies, has a key. And, and it's not really one data set. It, it's actually two. It's an index and a, a data portion. And the index has key, keeps track of the keys and points you into the correct spot in the data. Okay. And uh, uh, what else do I want to say about this? It's, um, it, it's very flexible. The records can be fixed. They can be variable. They can span CIs. Unlike RRDSs, you can actually delete a record and reclaim the space. And, and, and the same is true with ESDSs. You cannot delete a record. It does not reclaim the space. The space is still is just marked empty. But with a KSDS, the space is, is really reused. So you can delete records. You can insert records of a different length. You can pull up records. You can change the size. You can delete them. If you put back the record and it's bigger, it'll get you more space you know, for that record and put it in properly. If it's uh, shortened, it will reclaim that and add it to the CI definition of free space. So like I said, that's the catalog. The fifth type is called the variable relative record data set. And as the name implies, 
there's there's a key that's the position. But what we do under the covers is it's actually a key sequence data set. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not a real true type, even though you, you refer to it that way. And when you go to define one, the way you do it is you, you specify your average and maximum record length as different. So if you put in, you say, oh, okay, by average records, uh, 100, and if you want an RRDS, then your maximum record has to be 100. But if it's a if it's a VRRDS, you say, okay, I want my my average to be a hundred, and I want my uh, maximum to be five hundred, say. So that's that's kind of what we key off of to differentiate and create uh, a key sequence data set for this variable relative record data set. And I think the thing that that's interesting about this that, that newcomers to the platform might not quite get is that all of this is being managed by this, and we keep saying it's a file or a data set by itself, a lot of what it's doing really sounds like it's a a database that one might think of as like a product, like a, you know, like a, like a NoSQL type database. But this is all happening uh, transparently to the application. It's just there. Right, right. The application issues a read or... Um... What, whatever the COBOL would be if you were using COBOL. Uh, in, in Assembler, it's gets and puts, right? Hmm. Uh, you get a record, you put a record. And Sounds familiar. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it's read and writes for COBOL. It's been a long time since I coded COBOL. But uh, <laughs> when you do the read, you say read a record, and vSIM goes out to the DASD. It grabs the, the CI that you want. Say you, you said, I want to read um, uh, a record whose key is, is Jeff, okay? It's a good record. So it, it goes out there. It locates Jeff in the data set. It returns not that record. It returns the whole CI, okay? Mm-hmm. And then your program, though, that goes in a buffer, but your program only gets to see the record Jeff, so yeah, there's a there's a lot that goes on with the access method. All I know is uh, that every customer, uh, vSAM is one of those things that it's just it's so uh, inherent to the success and uh, prolificness, prolificity. What's the noun? Whatever <laughs> of, of, of Z, but it's it's uh you know it's it's one of those things that people would kind of dread learning about because like can I just have one file and just know that one thing, but it doesn't take getting very far beneath the surface to realize, oh, there is benefit of having more than one or more than five. So it's it's it was great. It's great hearing uh you know hearing V Sam explained uh, the way you did. And I'm sorry I stepped on you, Frank. Yeah, well, I was I was just gonna um, actually say something very similar. So now I don't have to. Cool. Uh, <laughs> so, but V Sam isn't the only kind of file that you can have, right? Yes, there there. Are, you know, I alluded to the fact that, you know, there was a long before uh, vSAM, there was another catalog. And v, the ICF catalog was invented to hold all this metadata. Um, there, there are. There's several different uh, file types, what we call the basic access methods, or BAM for short. Uh, you have just a simple sequential data set. And, of course, uh, everybody's sort of familiar 
with those. They're, you know, you can read and write and um, uh, these these data sets. They're not updatable in place. The records you uh, you have to kind of read it in and change it and write it out to another sequential file. Uh, but that was there from from day one of OS three sixty. Um, then there's a thing called generation data sets, which are not really separate data sets. They're sequential data sets, but it gives you a, a way of managing uh, records by numbers and generating automatic data set names with a, a, a generation and a version that's appended to the end. So those are sequential. Then you have what, what they call uh, partition data sets. And what these do is group small uh, like attribute files into one data set. And then there's a directory and that directory is accessed and it finds the file within this data set. And that file is called a member. So PDSs have members. Uh, there's some drawbacks to PDSs. That directory can run out of space. Um, also, if you, you delete a member, that space is not reclaimed. So in a simple PDS, those, those are sort of the drawbacks. And to address that, we have what we call PDS extended, partition data set extended. And that the, the directory can dynamically expand. And when you delete a data set, that space on the, the, within the, the data set is reclaimed. When you delete a member, that space within the data set is reclaimed. Um, so I don't have to do compresses with PDSEs? You do not have to do compresses with PDSEs. That's the advantage. That's there are one. certain members of ParmLib that can't be PDSEs, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, I couldn't remember. I know that's like one of the main trade-offs, but I couldn't remember what, if, what their other ones were. Right. And, and Jeff, you're, you're, you're getting way outside my area of expertise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, you talk, going back to the whole catalog thing, cause that's where this started. Um, you, you mentioned that, that the user catalog is kind of, something that you use to kind of group a set of, of, of data sets on a volume, basically, or logically at least. It really isn't necessarily um, for a user though, right? It's, it, it's just like a, a more of a subset from, from the master, right? When I think of user catalog, I feel like everybody has their own, but that's not what this is, right? Right, and it's not grouping data sets on a volume. It's just grouping data set. It's a repository for the data set names that match that alias that's in the master catalog that gets you to that user catalog. Right. Okay. They don't all have to be your data sets, Your data sets could be spread. You know, you could have a different volume for every data set that you, you have. The right. user aspect of this is, is you've got, like I said, you got the, the one called the master catalog. And, and that's usually the master catalog is to whole system data sets, okay? And the user catalogs are to hold the entries for the users. That's the, the reason for those kind of names. Oh, makes sense. 
Um, I don't know if this this is in your realm, but I'm, I'm, you've you've done a great job of um, explaining everything so far. I'm, I'm hoping you can be the person for this. Can you explain what the heck VTalk is and how that works? Or is that uh, is that a disc person? Uh, sure, I can. Uh, that's no. I, that well within um, uh, my realm of expertise. Uh, where do I want to take this? Basically, every <laughs> every disc has a uh, a VTOC, a volume table of contents. It's got the name of your data set, okay, mm-hmm. and it also shows the the space that you have allocated by the tracks okay the cylinder uh we still have that concept of cylinders which yep. is it's kind of with raid devices doesn't make a lot of sense but but we're kind of we're kind of stuck with it, the idea but of your data set you know you in the vtalk will be your uh your data set name and it will show you exactly where on the volume the data resides, and that's how we find it. We being vSAMs, uh, the access vSAM, and uh, or or the BAM access methods. Furthermore, it, it was there. The VTOCs have been there since OS three hundred and sixty first, uh, you know, came into being, and it also for non vSAM data sets, the BAM data sets. Mm. It has those uh, those different uh, characteristics. Is it um, variable? Is it fixed? Uh, is uh, what's the record length? What's the block size? And there's other information uh, for non VSAM data sets or, or BAM data sets, as they're also called. Cool. So that's like uh, uh, I'm going to make a dumb analogy here. The uh, catalog is the uh, um, the directions telling you how to get to the building and the V and the V talk is the, uh, listing on the front of the building saying what floor everything's on. Uh, sort of, um, there, there, you know, there, I, I didn't go over this earlier, but in the structure of a catalog, there is what's known as the basic catalog structure or for short, we call it the BCS. And then there's a VSAM volume data set, which is um, a a data set that resides on the volume. Now, the Mm -hmm. BCS is what we really, when you're talking about the master catalog or the user catalog, that's what we're talking about, the BCS. And and by the way, a BCS is a key sequence data set itself. It's it's no different than any other key sequence data set. The key, of course, is your data set name. And plus, uh, we, we reserve a byte at the very end. So instead of being 44, your key's not 44, it's actually 45. Because sometimes we have, uh, have to, uh, a need to have duplicate data set keys. You know, the 44 bytes would be duplicate. So we use that uh, extra byte to differentiate the two or, or more. Mm-hmm. And then on every volume, You've got this VVDS, okay? And it's sort of like the VTOC, by the way, in that it um, in that it has a lot of metadata. That's where all the metadata is kept. And the VVDS is an entry sequence data set, okay? What, what we've done 
Okay, we've split out the logical information, which we keep in the BCS, in, in or you, what you call the user catalog, and we keep the physical information in the VVDS on the, the same volume as your data set, especially if it's a vSAM data set. Mm-hmm. There are only entries in the VVDS for BAM data sets if the BAM data set is SMS managed. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, for vSAM, we mirror the, uh, the, the uh, VTOC extents into the, the VVDS entry. And the VVDS entry is called a vSAM volume record, VVR for short. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and that mirroring is, uh, is so that we don't have to go to, for vSAM, we don't have to go to the, the VTOC every time. We can just accept what's in the VVDS, uh, VVR, and run with that. So it's, it's kind of a performance sort of a thing that we keep this duplicate going all the time. Uh, and, and so the logical information is, is in the BCS. The physical information about the, data, the VSAM data sets are in the, BCS, uh, the, the VVDS. And you might ask the question, I might anticipate this question, why do you do that? Well, when you had you heard about my story about the VSAM catalog and ownership and everything, well, if you lost your catalog there, all the information in the old VSAM catalog, the physical information, was kept in that catalog. And if you recovered your catalog, it was out of sync with any other data spaces uh, or VSAM, they call them VSAM spaces, on other volumes. So when we did the ICF catalog, that's that we split the logical from the physical. We keep the physical on the the volume with the data. And if you recover your volume, you're still in sync. You're you're down level, but you're still in sync. Uh, That's a well-architected system. (laughs) (laughs) Well thought through. Well, um, there are a bunch of things. uh, We're going to have to have a whole episode, I think, on SMS managed, because uh, I think that would be kind of interesting. Um, but but you've covered a lot here. You kind of not only explained the whole uh, catalog thing, but given us a much better idea of of how the data sets kind of works, especially vSAM, which is such a critical uh, system. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about some of the other metadata that you put uh, store within the volume? Is it things like, you know, all the different people who have touched this data set or what else, what else is in there? Well, so far I've told you we keep the, the CI size. Okay. Uh, that's very important. We keep the key positions and the key links because in vSAM, the key can be any place in the record. Right. Um, we keep, we don't, keep a track of who touched the data set, but we do keep an account, uh, a running uh, total of how many records you put in the data set, how many you've deleted, how many you've updated, that sort of thing. Um, I've already alluded to the fact that we copy all the VTOC information up into the VVDS. So that's part of the metadata that we keep. Um, 
gosh, there's just so much. Uh, all, all the things, whether you're using compression, whether you're using encryption, we keep the key label. If you're, you, if you're, you're encrypting your data sets, you, there's a thing called the key label. We're keeping that information. Uh, we keep the compression type because there's several, well, Actually, it's kind of uninteresting for vSAM because they only use generic. But, uh, oh, Dan, there's just so much stuff out there. How many uh, CIs per – I didn't talk about control areas. And that's a, another vSAM. Uh, that's a grouping of CIs, a way to group CIs. Um, whether it's extended, uh, whether it's ex- – the data sets, we actually – Early vSAM was based on a relative byte address kind of a scheme instead of a physical address. So the the nice thing about that is if you uh, copy out a vSAM data set and you bring it back, because everything's relative to the beginning, you're not you don't have to load it in the same spot that you had it before. That that's one of the really nice features of vSAM. Uh, there's an access, a BAM access method I didn't even mention called BDAM, direct access method. By contrast, if you unload that, you have to reload it in exactly the same position because all the information about it is dependent on on the keys and and where they're in the where the data is located on the volume, which is not true for vSAM. Uh, but we we have this RBA scheme. And we ran out of space. It got to the point where our data sets, uh, you know, as technology increased and things got bigger, um, we had to switch to another scheme. That instead of relative byte address, we then went to a relative uh, CI address to find the records. And this relative uh, control interval is our CI stands um, doing acronym upon acronym, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so relative control intervals, these RCIs, uh, we switch to that. And that's known as extended addressability. And so we keep, you know, a flag for that to tell you what you're using. Uh, we've got high and low R- RBAs to tell you each for each extent, um, or RCIs in the case of extended addressability. Frank, there's just all kinds of information in there of, of like nature. It does. It sounds like it's got almost everything in there. <laughs> well, all that in the com, uh, you know, including I, I didn't mention uh, that we also keep the uh, uh, SMS construct names for the the you know the the storage class. The management class and the data class, we, we keep those names in there, too, for that data set. I, uh, I realize uh, we're, we're well beyond the bottom of the hour here. Stephen, we want to uh, thank you for spending this time with us. This has been really, really helpful. I think uh, not only have you described uh, a catalog, but given us a good idea of how some of these file systems work. Okay. Well, I, it's been my pleasure, Frank. I really had a good time, actually. <laughs> so you're welcome. All right. Old Man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. 
That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence signing off.